Alright guys, welcome into episode number two of the SHOT Show. My name is Curtis, I'm joined by co-host Josh and Mario, and we are doing a little preview episode for the upcoming football game against UMass on Saturday. Kickoff at 1 o'clock, you can tune in on ESPN Plus to catch actually us doing the broadcast. None of us will be uh, on microphone, but we will be running the cameras, so a little bit behind the scenes. If you're watching that, you're actually watching us. So, with that being said, let's jump into it. UMass. Bad. <laughs> UMass is not a good team. Um, they are basically the worst team in FBS. They have lost 14 straight. Um, they are 0-3 on the season. They lost to Boston College. They lost to Eastern Michigan. And they lost to Pitt. And they were handled pretty well in all of those games. Um, Coastal comes into this game as favorites by 36. So what do you guys think of, of UMass just in general, and what do you think of the spread there? Right. One thing I wanted to point out is that they currently have the third longest losing streak in the FBS by only Arizona has the longest and followed by Old Dominion, but third longest losing streak in the FBS, and they are 2-0 against the spread right now, but I think Coastal – after this game against Buffalo, they had a tough week of practice, and I think they're going to be very motivated to cover the spread and win by 40-plus. So I'm excited. Absolutely. And going to their defense, I'm going to be honest, UMass defense is not good whatsoever, rushing nor passing. So when you're ready to look at it, when you look at them, they allow 218.7 rushing yards per game, and they allow 306.3 passing yards per game as well. They allow 46 points per game. And then, not even that, but third down, but opponent's third down conversion and opponent's fourth down conversion. The third down conversion is at 63.89%, and the fourth down conversion is at 50%. So overall, defense-wise, UMass is very ugly. Yeah, they're, they're simply put, not a good team. They're not even in Coastal's league. Uh, you know, we've all talked a little bit, you know, outside of the podcast about how Coastal should be the best group of five team this season up there with Cincinnati and, and this is a game to kind of stamp your identity on and say hey look we didn't play the toughest schedule in all of college football right but the teams that were put in front of us we demolished and this is your chance to do that and I think you know coming off of a week where we were disappointed with Coastal's performance against Buffalo this is a chance to get back in the good graces and you know win by a lot and the, the AP pollsters are watching the college football playoff pollsters are watching um, this is a chance to really dive in and, and say, hey, Coastal is that best group of five team. So um, I uh, did a little bit of talking with uh, UMass's Sports 247 writer, um, and he gave me a little bit of a breakdown. So we're going to jump into that a little bit of what Coastal can expect from UMass. The one name that he told me to watch out for the most was Brady Olson, their freshman quarterback. Um, he came in for an injured uh, teammate in the first game of the season. Um, played okay against Pitt, but again, the, by the time that he got in there, it was garbage time. Um, and then against Boston College, he actually played really well, which you know, he said was, was a sign of things to come, but not a sign of things where they are now. And the biggest thing that he told me was they are not a run threat as a team, and more specifically, he is not a run threat. He compared him to, to Peyton Manning, where he would rather fall down in the uh, in the pocket than, than take a sack or try and scramble around like Lamar Jackson. So what do you think that implies for uh, Coastal's defense this week? I definitely think it's going to give Coastal's uh, pass rush at time to 
get back into what they did last season, get some sacks flowing. We had no sacks last week. And he throws 35 times a game, Brady Olsen does, so I think he's going to give the secondary a lot of practice when Buffalo only threw 17, 18 times and mostly pounded the ball. And I think it's going to be good, too. Their offensive line is not great, so if there's a time for the defensive line to get rolling, it is this week. Right, and if what is expected, if they rely heavily on Brady Olsen, then I think Coastal's defense is definitely going to shine through. I will say this, though. Uh, last game against Eastern Michigan, the uh, the running back for UMass, Ellis Merriweather, he had 23 carries, 142 yards, so he had himself a very, very good game. Honestly, if you had to point to some, one person on that team or one player on that team, Ellis Merriweather was definitely the player on that team who did step steps. Yeah, and, and the 247 guy said that he did really well in that game, but... UMass's O-line is just nothing compared to what Coastal's D-line can throw at them. He said, you know, this week is going to really put that O-line to the test in terms of getting a push up front, being able to, to move the pile and get some, some running back yardage in there. Right. One thing I wanted to point out is he's senior defensive lineman Gerard Clark. He's 345 pounds. That's nothing like UMass has ever seen and nothing like he can block. So I'm looking for him to have probably around two sacks this weekend and really hit his stride going into the exactly. rest of the Exactly. I remember when I was working the sideline, he was standing right, right next to me. I was like, God damn. I was like, God damn, these dudes make me look small. And especially him. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's a big, big guy. Monster. He's a monster of a human being. And I, you know, like Josh said, I fully expect him to to dominate this game. And even, even if he doesn't dominate on the stat sheet, I expect him to take up a lot of blockers and then – you know, you'll see that impact when Silas Kelly ends the game with, you know, 25 tackles and Teddy Gallagher has, you know, four sacks and, and 20 other, you know, tackles because UMass is forced to triple team Clark. So, um, a couple of names on the outside that he told me to watch out for. Again, we talked about Olsen being a gunslinger and, and UMass is going to look to throw the ball. Rico Arnold uh, is a wide receiver for UMass. Um, currently on the season, eight receptions, 143 yards, and a couple tutties. Um, he is not a big play threat. He's not going to, you know, gash you downfield for 45, 50 yards a catch. Um, that responsibility falls to Jermaine Johnson, who uh, he pointed out to me and, you know, in big, bold letters said, this is the guy Coastal's got to watch out for. Not because he's going to make 40 catches, but because he's going to make three catches and they're going to average 50 yards a catch. He's their, you know, they're, for those of you who have been around for a while, they're Mike Wallace equivalent, right? Most of the catches are, are going to go to Rico Arnold and, and some of their other uh, weapons on the outside. And then you're going to get lulled into sleep and Jermaine Johnson's going to pop you over the top. Uh, he has one catch in 18 of his last 19 games. So, you know, they're going to find him eventually. And, and Coastal Secondary has to be awake the whole game and ready to stop both of those guys. Absolutely. You mentioned another receivers. Uh, Melvin Hill, another receiver for UMass. He has five receptions, 86 yards. He's averaging 17.2 yards per catch. So that's another big threat right there. Right. Jordan Strong was robbed of his first interception last year, last week. And if they're throwing to Rico Arnold, who he'll probably be on, he had eight catches last game, more targets than that. So they're going to try to test him definitely. If they get desperate and down on the scoreboard, they're going to not care and they're going to throw it anyways. So I'm looking for Jordan Strong to get at least his first pass deflection and definitely his first pick this week. Yeah, so – uh, moving to UMass's defense, there's not really a whole lot to talk about. Their defense is, is not great. Um, it's not good. 
uh, it's not really even an FBS-level defense, if we're being honest. The one guy that stands out on their team is Gerald Johnson. He's a linebacker, uh, currently their co-leading tackler. He's the guy that's going to have to stop Chad Wells' spread triple option. If he has a good game, Coastal could be in trouble. Um, if he has a bad game, Coastal should win this game. You know, There's a meme down here that we all kind of relate to, Shants by 90. This is your chance to be Shants by 90s if you can contain Gerald Johnson. In this game, absolutely. I'm gonna be honest with you. Even I disagree. Even if Gerald Johnson has himself a great game, that's one against. That's one against eleven right there. I just don't think he's gonna be enough to do it. The co-leading tackler on that team, Deshaun Ross, he has 23 tackles and a sack. But overall, I just don't think those two are gonna be enough for UMass to pull off an upset or even get close to Coastal. Right. When I think he said the shots are in trouble, I think he meant maybe we win by 30 and not cover. Right. <laughs> but other than that, we should be fine and win by 40. Right. The wallet of the betters is in trouble, not Coastal itself. Right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, we were talking in our pre-podcast meeting about how, you know, Coastal should dominate this game. There's not a whole lot of, you know, worry going in. Um, moving to kind of a more Coastal-centric thing, there's not a whole lot to report. No new news on injuries. Massimo Biscardi still out as far as we know. Uh, Teddy Gallagher took a knock towards the end of the Buffalo game. Still no news on that as well. Um, we're hoping to get an update before game time, but we really don't know. This weekend is the teal out, so if you're going to come, come in teal and, and help uh, Coastal win at the surf turf and dominate a, uh, <laughs> a really, really bad <laughs> UMass team. So with that, we're kind of going to move to more of a national outlook here. More specifically, Coastal in the AP poll to start out with. We were all excited. You know, we beat Buffalo. Again, not convincingly, but we won in what is more than likely going to be our second hardest game all year. Or second hardest scheduled opponent. We'll put it that way. And Coastal won. Not convincingly, but they won. And then the AP poll comes out Sunday night, and Coastal drops in the rankings, drops by one, gets jumped by BYU, Ole Miss, and Arkansas coming off of their victories at the weekend. All big names in, in college sports, so you wonder if there's a little bit of a bias going on there. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You're still the number two ranked team in the group of five, so you still got your chance to jump past Cincinnati. But what did you guys think? Sunday night when that poll came out and Coastal dropped a little bit. I mean, I wasn't necessarily surprised because of the bias that usually comes with historical value of the AP poll voters. But one thing I did want to mention is now there are three ranked group of five teams with Fresno State. They came in, they almost beat Oregon, but they beat UCLA by three or four points, but really were with them the whole game and competed in every game they've been in. And they're on our heels now, and they're trying to be what we were last year. So... If anybody's motivated to jump us, it's definitely Fresno State. Absolutely, and I mean, again, this is the week for Coastal to prove how great they are and to jump up maybe a couple spots in that AP poll ranking. You mentioned Arkansas. Arkansas is playing number seven, Texas A&M. That's going to be a very, very good game. And the one thing that I find very interesting about this game is both teams, they have themselves a very, very good defense, just in different aspects. So when you look at Arkansas... They allow 263 total yards per game, which I think is absolutely great for a defense. And then when you look at Texas A&M, their defense averages 5.67 points per game allowed, which I think is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. So, I mean, when I look at that stat right there, I'm pretty optimistic about Arkansas losing. But again, Arkansas has themselves a very, very good defense. And if Arkansas ends up getting defeated by Texas A&M, I think that is very good for Coastal to bump, jump above them. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, our games to watch this weekend, if you're not watching Coastal, Texas A&M and Arkansas, Iowa State going up against a tough Baylor team. That's number 14, Iowa State. So they're just above Coastal. Um, I think even an unconvincing win over Baylor helps Coastal there because Iowa State has not looked good. They barely beat Northern Iowa. They got trounced by Iowa. And I think that's a game that even if Iowa State wins, Coastal probably jumps above them if it's non-convincing. A loss, even better. Uh, One that that has come up on our radar uh, is NC State versus Clemson. Clemson has not looked like the powerhouse that they have in the playoff era. It's weird, right? Like, it's weird to think about Clemson as a team that Coastal could be ranked ahead of, right? We've always been, you know, we've always joked in the, the past two years now when Coastal's actually been a decent football team about how, you know, we're the best team in South Carolina. You know, Clemson and, and South Carolina refuse to schedule us, blah, 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 whatever, because they're scared of us. Damn, man, <laughs> NC State pulls off a win or Clemson's bad, looks bad again. Coastal might be the top-ranked team in South Carolina and the team that, you know, or in a state, excuse me, that has national championship caliber programs in two different cities and coastal and little conway and the little itty bitty sunbelt is the highest ranked team in, in south carolina but that'd be exciting absolutely and this is going back a little bit but south carolina definitely avoided a huge embarrassment last year they were supposed to play coastal because of covid all that the sec moved to all conference and not knowing how good coastal was going to be that was supposed to be the first game of the season and if coastal was I don't see any reason why Coastal would not have murdered South Carolina, and this conversation could have been a lot further ahead by now, but we're looking at NC State to give Clemson some trouble because they're definitely better than Georgia Tech was, and Georgia Tech darn near beat Clemson. Absolutely, and honestly, when I when I think about that whole like argument about Coastal suddenly rising and become one of the best football programs in South Carolina, I think about it, and this year, absolutely, that is absolutely true, but I kind of compare it to, like, the Knicks and the Nets. You know, the Knicks are always going to be that big, big franchise, always going to be that team in New York that people talk about, and we're kind of like the Nets. We're kind of like the Nets, kind of rising above and kind of making our names for ourselves. So, overall, I mean, in the future, it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if Coastal ended up continuing this success, and it wouldn't surprise me not one bit this year if Coastal ended up having a better ranking than Clemson. So last game on the list to talk about is Michigan versus Rutgers. Now Michigan at, at the time of recording is is below Coastal in the AP poll, but Rutgers has been a team on the rise um, and is a team that if Michigan can handle. Us in the room here, we're a little bit nervous that Coastal might get jumped again by a, another Power 5 team showing a little bit of bias. So what you guys to take away from that? Right, I think if Michigan does beat Rutgers, even if it's only by six or seven points, I think they will jump ahead of us just because of the name and the hype that they've been building this season. But Rutgers is a very good football team. They're currently 20-point underdogs right now, which I don't necessarily understand because they beat Syracuse handily, they murdered Temple, and then they destroyed um, Delaware, who's an FCS powerhouse. So it's at Rutgers, and I think Rutgers even has a chance to win. And if I'm giving predictions, I'm picking Rutgers to this yeah, I mean, it's crazy. So the first thing I see when I look at Michigan, the first thing that pops up to me is that ground game. They have the number one rushing team in, in college football. They have 355 rushing yards or more in every game that they have played. They average over eight yards per carry. And running backs like Blake Corum, guys like Hassan Haskin, 
And then Donovan Edwards also, the third string running back. All three of them have been doing an amazing, amazing job this year. But the one thing that I find very, very interesting about this game coming up, and I think this is going to be a big factor, is Rutgers' defense is ranked third in turnover margin, and they are number one in giveaways. They got five forced fumbles and three INTs. The one thing interesting about this is Michigan has not had a turnover this season in three games. So that's going to be very, very interesting to see how Rutgers' defense does against that Michigan team who keeps protecting the ball very, very well. Yeah, and, and again, Michigan is behind Coastal at the moment, but keeping an eye on it, hoping Michigan stays behind Coastal. Um, and, and, you know, to be fair to Rutgers, Rutgers has been getting AP poll votes recently. Um, there's nothing to say that a win by Rutgers doesn't propel them past Coastal either. So Absolutely. it's a game where... Uh, you know, I wish we were playing soccer and you could get a draw because that would be best for Coastal is <laughs> a 0-0 a zero, zero tie. And then, you know, Coastal stays where they're at. And they... So moving back to Coastal versus UMass, we're going to kind of go around the room. We'll start with you, Josh. What are your predictions for this weekend? I think everybody's going to get back on track. We're going to – the defense is going to hold them to about – I'm going to say they're giving 10 points. I think the defense is going to be locked in. The Black Swarm is going to be back. And – I think we're going to win 52 to 10. That's my prediction. Cover the spread. Honestly, I'm going to probably go 52 to 20 to be real. I think this is going to I think overall UMass will have a little bit of success, not a lot, but overall I think I got Coastal winning this game by about a good 32 points. That's why I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think Coastal covers at, at time of recording the uh, spread is Coastal by 36. Um, I think Coastal covers I think they come out sluggish, though. I think most of that cover comes in the second half, mainly because I think UMass is going to be fired up to play against a ranked opponent. That's now a new thing that Coastal has to worry about is being the big dog. Um, as much as they're not you know, an Alabama or an Auburn, a team like UMass doesn't get to play a lot of ranked opponents. Coastal is one of them. So I think they come out fired up. I think Coastal starts a little bit slow, but I think by the time the game is over, I think it's 62 to 17 Coastal. So I think it's it's an offensive explosion, but I think, that, like I said, most of that comes a little bit later. So with that, I think we wrap up the Shant Show. For my co-hosts, Josh and Mario, I am Curtis. We're signing off. Remember, Saturday after the game, we will have a new post-game podcast where we react to everything that has happened up. We look forward to seeing you there. Follow us on Twitter, at The Shant Show, on Instagram, at Shant Show. And we, uh, we love interaction, so send us messages, send us DMs, give us a follow, give us questions. We'd love to answer them in the next podcast. So we'll see you soon, guys.